Welcome to the Why It Works podcast. I'm Joe Kwan, your host. Together, we'll pull back the curtain to reveal the hidden principles behind why things work. Things work for a reason. Let's find out why. I'm so excited to share I just released my online course. The Easy Peasy Public Speaking Makeover Series will not only help you overcome your fear, but will help you shine. The first module, Overcoming Your Fear of Public Speaking, is always free. If you are willing to improve in this area, just click on the link in the show notes or go to www.connectioncounselor.com. Here with us today is Adita Attek, author of Awaken Your Inner Leader, Transform Stress, Develop Emotional Mastery, and Thrive. With a rich background that includes corporate, academia, and cutting-edge coaching, Edita's goal is to change our workplaces and families for the better, as well as help address the mounting stress and emotional and mental health crisis our kids face today. We speak to Edita on April Fool's Day. Welcome, Edita, to the Why It Works podcast, and thank you for being here. Hi, Joe. Thank you very much for having me. The other day, I was thinking about different times in my life and the various stress levels I've experienced. Like anyone else, I've learned to deal with stress as best as I can, but I wouldn't say I've had any formal training in the area. How do you think about stress management, and what have you seen or experienced in this area? This is such a beautiful question and such an important question. Uh, All I can say that I have been a stress management student for a few decades of my life for so many reasons, and I really do believe that if we want to make significant changes to help the world we live in, to help ourselves, to help the younger generation, we need to have a better understanding of stress. And, you know, often uh, the common uh, topic is there, the common comment is, well, you know, everybody has stress in their lives. And, uh, you know, it's part of life, not a big deal, whether it comes to work or health or whatever else. And it's true. But unless we truly understand the depth of the nature of stress and how we are equipped biologically, physiologically to handle stress, we are always going to be talking about as something out there. You know, I have a busy job. I don't like to drive in the rush hour traffic. Um, You know, I have a complex relationship or whatever else it may be. So we often view stress as something out there, but actually stress is what happens inside the body. And I think that's where my few decades of experience and you know, to this day, I would say expertise, but I'm still a student of this because there is so much we need to understand experientially. So yes, I am an open book. Ask me any questions because I have been researching stress for my life. The rest of, I mean, for my entire life, I should say. That is really great, Adida. One of the things you just said that is so interesting to me is this concept of external versus internal. Uh, and it's a theme I've seen with with other guests and and in things that I've been thinking about in my own life. And it's interesting that you can't really control externalities, right? Like they're going to happen the way they can happen, but you do have a measure of control over yourself and how you process things. Oh, exactly. And that's the biggest point we need to make. I mean, we do have a certain degree of control of what happens on the outside, but it's it's certainly limited. We cannot eliminate certain events or cert- certain consequences or natural events or anything it may be. But what happens in the human body, that's what we have a significant control over. Great. 
well, let's get to know you a little better. Tell us what you do, but explain it as if you were talking to a five-year-old. Okay. I would kind of imagine the five-year-old is there with, his, with her or his mom or dad as well. So I can kind of use both sides. What I do today is I help people who are really busy in their lives and who are trying to create something really big and successful in their lives to understand that what they're, what's inside them, it's the biggest power they will ever have. So my tagline is claim your inner power. And basically what I do, I help these super busy individuals. In my case, it often happens to be high performing, high performing professionals and executives. I help them claim this inner power so they understand how their system operates. You know, I use a an analogy, you know, today every five-year-old would probably know that any computer or device they have, it has some kind of a um, intelligence, the operating system inside. And so I often tell people that I help you to understand the human operating system. So you can be stronger, you can be healthier, um, you don't need to uh, fall victim to your never-ending thoughts, um, and then you can be you can bounce back from many things and you can create much healthier, uh, happier lives and communities, both at home and at work. That's great. Well, I'm so happy you're here today to talk about the topic of stress management. Likewise. And, and let me tell you why. Uh, <laughs> all anyone needs to do is look around and they can see stress levels are at an all time high, right? Your coworkers are stressed, parents are stressed, kids are stressed. And, you know, while I'm not saying that this is an optimal situation, I think I acknowledge as a general concept that stress is going to be there and it's, it's not always uh, a bad thing. How do you sort of distinguish in your mind the concept of beneficial stress versus, you know, damaging stress? Uh, well, first of all, we need to understand that biologically we are designed to handle stress. So there is nothing wrong per se with having a stressful event and it comes as an input into our nervous system and our system responds to that. Unfortunately, what we have forgotten because we share the same mammalian um, biology as you know, primates or um, other mammals that we forgot how to use that nervous system and the response in a healthy way. We are stuck way too much in our minds, in our intellect, and we, we have forgotten, we have lost the, the resilience, especially on the level of the physiology. And, you know, one of the really important reasons why we do need to talk about stress is the stats that we have. I mean, 50% of North Americans are struggling from chronic illness, whether it's heart disease or um, or cancer. And my point is that I always um, support it, want people to um, understand is that it's, in my view, 90% plus of that is stress-related. Anxiety, wow. mental illness, depression is related to, to stress. I mean, we don't even need to go very far to the younger generation. I mean, the overarching problem is depression, anxiety, suicides. The number of suicides we have in our younger population, it's absolutely outrageous. In Canada alone, I think the last stats I saw from a government document on prevention of chronic illness was uh, adults over the age of 20, I think three out of five have some form of a chronic illness. And, you know, very often we are being told that this can be genetic, this can be something else or other. My proposal to, for people to consider, which is something I strongly believe, it, is in, believe in, is that it actually is related to unprocessed stress that rests inside the body. 
So this is something that is really, really relevant. And if we want to change the way we go forward, stress in, in its accurate and, and precise sense as to what is, uh, where it's actually happening needs to be really discussed and understood. Well, I think that's a really important point you're making in terms of the, the consequences of uh, not processing stress properly. And to use your operating system uh, metaphor from before, it's kind of like back in the day when you would have a, a Windows machine and you get the blue screen of death, right? <laughs> and the whole thing would come crashing down. I, 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 as you were talking, I kind of pictured like that's what stress can do to our bodies, right? It can really jam it up and all of a sudden you you're doing fine or you think you're doing fine and, and you just crash and there's a big problem and it's, it's not yeah. a particular disease or virus. It's, it's the effect of, of the stress not being processed properly. Well, but just think about it when the operating system is not working properly, your applications are going to slow down, you will be susceptible to viruses and eventually the system crashes. Now, the nice thing about the technical operating system, you can apply a patch. We do it all the time, whether you are, you know, a PC user, a Mac user, not so easy with the human operating system. But the thing is that the result that we see is what is happening in terms of our culture. I personally believe we, we are facing a crisis in terms of especially our younger generation, not to mention, I mean, the average generation as well, because we are the ones who are raising the younger kids anyway. We are, you know, many of us are parents, uncles, um, you know, and family members. So it, it is absolutely essential, in my opinion, that we really need to understand how our system works. Well. I'm really excited to explore this with you. Let's take a look at one attempted at stress management from the show, The Office. Oh, my goal is to make this office as peaceful a place for Stanley Hudson as I can. And I think sounds have a lot to do with that. Here are some downloaded peaceful sounds. That one makes me think of death. It's kind of nice. It is a beautiful sunny day as we walk through the meadow that is very spiritual and relaxing and there are flowers and it is sunny and beautiful. Now up ahead a castle in the distance. Don't open your eyes. What? Oh. And you walk up toward the castle. And inside the castle are four men. And each of them, none of them have shoes. And they give you a funny cigarette and you feel even more relaxed. And then you want ice cream. You want a big bowl of ice cream. So what kind of ice cream do you want? Yell it out. Chunky monkey. Too expensive. Chocolate. Racism is dead, Stanley. You can have any kind of ice cream you want. What do you want? What is that? People, please, I told you to get rid of the cell phones. It's my biofeedback machine. Oh. What do you see going on here, Adita? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I, I'm not familiar with the actual movie itself. I know it's running on Netflix, but I haven't watched it. Uh, other than from our conversation and you bringing attention to this, um, to this specific clip. So I want to laugh and I want to cringe at the same time. <laughs> to me, to me it's just, it just literally gives me this feeling in my body like this is really uncomfortable. So I see a lot of different things and I will mention a few and maybe we can pick which one you want to um, go with. 
it, it kind of symbolizes to me a lot of toxicity in our work environment. Uh, it also shows that someone who is completely imbalanced and stressed and not in a place or a position to help others is attempting to relax and help others. It never works because the person who really wants to do this kind of work needs to have done their work first. And that's what I often say for people, especially in leadership positions, it will almost sound arrogant when I say this, but they're almost, they should not be entitled to have those jobs un unless they have done the inner work themselves, because it's a huge responsibility to lead others. You know, I think Simon Sinek um, compared it to kind of like parenting almost, which is maybe a little, going a little bit too far, but to a degree, the people who are working in the company are your family. So another thing uh, that comes to my mind is that often sometimes a certain um, work environments um, are paying lip service to um, you know to relaxation and stress management but they don't really go enough in depth in understanding as to what's happening in the office or even themselves understanding as to what creates a healthy um, environment in terms of people feeling safe uh, being able to process their emotions in a safe way so sometimes i see or hear mission statements of companies and it's just, it's so not congruent with what's actually happening in the office. You know, I talked to people, I coached some people who were coming to me from companies that were rewarded some special awards for, you know, one of the top employers or whatever. They were stressed beyond anything. It's oh, like, no. yeah. And, and you know, when, when you read the, you know, or watch the awards and you read everything, you would think it must be a dream place, you know, or a dream come true to work for a company like that. Um, some of the other thing is, um, Another thing that comes to my mind that, you know, especially when it comes to the part where this manager was trying to um, coach or guide his people through this relaxation process, that he or she first needs to exude this on the level of his or her operating system. It cannot just be, you know, once or twice you have done some form of meditation, you know, a little bit, and now let me guide everybody else. And this is what happens when a dysregulated person is trying to regulate somebody else. It's like dysregulation coming from both ends, and it's creating, obviously, that beeping machine went off. The poor man's biofeedback machine was signaling that he has a very high stress level. So um, this is an example how not to go about stress and how you can actually really destroy an environment and make people feel really unsafe and probably even trigger anger, trigger frustration and trigger um, really a behavior that is not really conducive to having a healthy supportive group um, in the, in the office space. Well, one of the things that really uh, resonated with me that you were mentioning Adita is this, you know, universal sort of concept or principle that you have to be in control of yourself before you can help others, whether it's from a stress standpoint, whether it's parenting, whether it's anger, right? Like if, if someone's angry and you're trying to calm them down and you're angry too, that's not going to work. So it's like I, fire and fire are trying to extinguish themselves yeah. and it does, doesn't work. And, you know, that's why I sort of use this concept of self-leadership. Um, you know, we need to be self-leaders and self-leaders need to understand what's happening inside. And that's also going back to the beginning of our conversation that how often we attempt to, to fix things on the outside, but we forget what's inside. One of the reasons for that is number one, our culture is sort of pushing us into that direction because everything is, you know, praise academic excellence. 
um, and you know intellectual capacities, which is all great. We all need that. But when we get lost in our intellect, we forget there is so much more inside us. And a self-leader needs to understand that I am so much more than just my intellect. I am my physiology, I am my operating system, I am my emotions, I am my physical body, and you know, I have a purpose. And when that gets kind of lost and jumbled up, we become so fragmented and sometimes even the best intentioned people. Let's consider this manager in this video clip. He may have been somewhere in his mind, well-intentioned and really wanting to do well. He could not possibly accomplish that because he was so fragmented to begin with and he could not understand what was going on with him. Let me um, ask you a question based on what you said just now, as well as your previous uh, comments. What, what do you think about this whole glorification of stress? I feel like to a certain extent, there's this glorification of, you know, it's great to be stressed. It's great to be busy. You know, that's a good thing. And in some companies, I mean, you mentioned the um, company with the values that didn't really match what people were experiencing. Uh, there's this sense that there's a culture that glorifies stress as opposed to glorifying, you know, managing stress and being healthy? Yeah, if that's, that's an amazing question. Let me find a way how I can approach it um, the best possible way. And feel free to interrupt me and, and ask me additional questions. So it's, you know, interesting that how you worded the, the glorification of stress, because we often I believe we we associate the high performance and you know the success with something being really extrovert and being always out there and being you know loud and being clear and being um, you know wanting to do a lot of sales and always being in this this energized mode and this is exactly the type of people or type of uh, environments that do not understand the human operating system. We need to have a proper oscillating flow if you want to call it that way we need to have the ability to go up with you know drive our our what i refer to as activation energy and we can get back to that later and we need to peak and we need to be able to release that this is what animals do all the time except they don't go to schools nobody's teaching them how to do it they just know it through the course of evolution and they need to also come down so the next time they come up they are they are not stuck, they are not jammed, so they're not creating this operating system stuckage. So when you have these companies who are always on, you know, and you know, get outside of your comfort zone all the time and go there and you know, go high and, and rah, 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 what happens with that? It's just a matter of time before the operating system gets stuck and before they start developing symptoms. And they can be um, on various planes. It can be in their relationships to themselves or to their closest people. People who suffer probably the most are the kids who grew up on those types of families because kids, and this is also probably a subject for, for another podcast as well, how kids absorb the energy of those who take care of them. And when you have somebody who's always like that, kids will often retreat to the opposite end because they don't know how to deal with that. And often they may even not feel safe. So sometimes I have worked with, you know, high performing type A personalities and they would just want their kids to be like, you know, do hockey, do this, do that. You know, you need to accomplish so many things. Before grade 10, they would develop anxiety. They would develop, um, you know, all kinds of other chronic illness, depression or whatever else it may be. And again, this is, I'm, I'm sort of um, moving out a little bit to the other direction. But if it's not a relationship issue, it may be their own health. Like just from the stats, when you consider 
and this is probably a very generic uh, or very generous number, I should say, 50% of North Americans are struggling with some form of chronic illness. Wow. And the num- numbers, like in Canada, uh, you know, the numbers that I know here, one in five Canadians struggles with a mental health issue every single year. And often people say, well, that's only one in five, but it's different one in five every year. So numbers are a lot higher. And considering the U.S. culture, I would suspect in numbers in the U.S. would be much higher than that. So if, if that high stress, high you know, performance mode and always that high pump energy uh, goes on for too long, the system cannot sustain that. So there comes the health issues. And it also, you know, in the third way, it affects the person's self-leadership. They lose connection with who they are. And they also have lost their capacity over time to lead others because they become stuck in that system. And sadly, you know, when I look back for the last, whatever, 40 or 50 years, um, you know, you know, in history, these would be typically the people that would be pushed or, or allowed to go to the places of leadership because we viewed leaders as those, you know, massively energetic people who would be always up there high and, you know, doing things. Truth is, because we have a mammalian system built into our body through, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, we need to have a proper oscillation. If we go up, we need to find a way to release that. And then we need to allow ourselves to come down into the relaxation because you cannot even digest food when you're in that high energy mode because that system is just simply not online. And that's why sometimes for you know, people who are high performance, they can be super skinny or they can develop potentially other addictive behavior, such as maybe eating too much, or they may use alcohol or something else that will bring them down because our system is biologically designed to do that. So if we don't do that, we will find a coping mechanism. Not to mention that the work by itself can become an addiction or any other behavior. We could go to shopping, we could go to you know, substances and everything else, but our body is designed to soothe itself. And when we don't know how to do that, we're going to grab and reach for an artificial uh, third, you know, outer world um, thing that is going to temporarily give us a good feel. Long-term, not such a good idea. Wow, there's so many important <laughs> things in there, Adida. And I it's know. Actually- It's actually a pretty good segue into our next clip where it explores the impact of stress in our world. If people can get the vision of a planet where people know how to de-stress, only then can we have a world that's actually safe and peaceful to live in. If you can address a person's stress in their life, I feel like that should be number one. When somebody's under a lot of stress, at least emotional stress, a whole cascade of things can be going on, from neck problems to low back problems to stomach problems to anxiety. But if we can get to what is the underlying cause that keeps getting re-triggered, lives can change. You can have all the positive affirmations you want and intend for different things to happen, 
and that's all cognitive. That's all your brain talking. But this was distinctly different in that it was in my gut that I felt different. I'm a brain imaging guy. I'm not a psychiatrist. And so seeing the changes to me were among the more dramatic that I've ever seen with regard to any kind of intervention, any kind of medical or, or psychological type of therapy for people. It just wasn't there anymore for most of those patients. In fact, everybody had some response where there was far less to no activation. I think the consciousness of people in general is real open that maybe I have something to do with my health condition. Stress is a fact of life and healing can be a fact of life. Dita, your thoughts. Oh, my thoughts. Okay. So this is a short clip from, um, from a trailer that I believe promotes actually some form of a therapy, which I am not involved with. But what I love about the, um, you know, the information that they provide in that short segment that they actually really talk about what stress is, it's actually, and this is where I can insert also my personal understanding and observations and expertise, stress is actually pressure or tension exerted on the physical body. You know, that's one where people often go to um, their go-to techniques, you know, chiropractors and massage therapies or whatever it may be. It's because they experience that unease, that tension inside their body, our neck or shoulders or low back, you name it. And basically it's a lot of stuck energy sitting inside the body. Often, I mean, obviously, it can be due to some kind of a physical injury, but when we're discussing the topic of, of stress, it can be just simply unresolved trap stress in the body because when you allow the energy to continue just be up and you do not teach people, you do not understand how to release that massive activation energy, it's, it needs to sit somewhere. And then you kind of either artificially zone out to help yourself to to relax. You know, people do that today through five hours of Netflix or eating a big chocolate cake or whatever else it may be or, or shopping something. And so that gets trapped inside the body. So that's why I always tell people stress is physical pressure or tension exerted in a material object. And in this particular case, the material object is your physical body and it can manifest itself anywhere in the body. Now, what's so amazing to me about what you're saying, and I, and I totally agree with it, is, you know, it starts out as a psychological or emotional construct, but it does, I mean, I think we've all experienced this, right? It, 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 it becomes trapped in your body and you experience it through your body. So it's so amazing because it's like, it's not like the kind of stress, like someone's pushing on me or, or, you know, squeezing my arm or something. And I feel that pressure. It's, it's a purely kind of psychological, emotional thing, but it does impact our bodies. It's, it's really incredible. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, that there's that very strong, real connection and, and it can work against us in so many ways. Absolutely. And remember that we experience stress in our body as a response to an external event, uh, which we cannot prevent. Um, but we, can, we will also obviously experience stress in the response to our thoughts, in the response to the corresponding emotions that will be generated from that, because emotions are also simply energy in motion inside our body. And that, will, that can easily get trapped inside our body. Not to mention that we live in a society where we are addicted to our minds, we're addicted to our intellect, and we even praise and glorify intellect in so many different ways. You know, I know people who 
exercise, you know, run on a treadmill or something while they are watching uh, CNN at the same time. I always tell them, you know, it's great, except it's, you know, your mind is in one place and your body is in a separate place. Mm -hmm. So yes, you are exercising your physical body, but you have put yourself in a completely fragmented position, especially if you have gone through a stressful day, because you are not allowing to come back to allow the operating system to gather all of its pieces. It's kind of like defragmenting, right? And I love to use the operating system analogy because most people today kind of relate to it. But the system is not built like that. It's meant to work as a cohesive one unit. Yeah, totally. And I love what you're saying about the uh, external nature of, of stimulating the stress. And our next clip um, shows a humorous example of it. I was watching this with my family and, and we couldn't stop laughing as we were uh, previewing this. Bad blood continues to brew between Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Will the co-stars ever survive this rift? Russell, Ryan, thank you for coming. Huh? All right, Russell, um, would you mind grabbing those two handles there? I'm not really kind of like a tech guy. Okay, well, just humor me. Give him a squeeze. This device measures stress in real time. I don't actually have any stress. I'm very relaxed. That's... All right. I saw this in a TED Talk. Kudos. Nice choice. Russell, I'm noticing a rise in your stress levels for some reason. Is there anything that uh, Ryan does that causes you stress? No. No? Mm -mm. No, but occasionally he will interrupt me. Can I say something? Right now, your brain's in the driver's seat. Your heart's in the back seat. Why don't you lay your heart? Like you, know what, you know what, Ryan? Could you do me a favor? Why don't you sit down over there, make yourself comfortable? Okay. All right, we're just gonna, we're just gonna work, just the two of us All for right, a minute. Thanks. You get a five. Now, Russell, I want you to close your eyes. Really? Sure, please. Trust me. Now, I want you to take a deep breath. <sighs> Ryan, you don't have to do this. It's really just for Russell. Okay, no talking. Now, I want you to picture your perfect place really envision it and share with us well you see i live in australia mm -hmm. and i have a farm there's nobody around for miles riding my horse just at one with nature you know that's where i am um, it's like What? You know, if I don't eat every 45 minutes, my blood sugar level goes. <coughs> Russell, go ahead. I'm in the back paddock. I'm with my horse. And that's the place that I go to to get away from... Never seen levels quite this high. I just want to go home. I, I think we need to get you to a hospital, quite frankly. I can hear the kookaburra's call. Kookaburra. 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 It's called a kookaburra. How do they sound? It's the laughing bird. Laughing bird. Laughing. You're kissing my sister. 
Adi- oh my Adi- gosh. What do you take away from this, Adida? I, I, my, my head is just spinning from all of this. I'm just thinking of all the different points, all the different directions we could take the conversation uh, to. So let me start wherever I start. So number one, what happens when we allow our operating system to go into a place of dysregulation? And very often that starts all the way from childhood. That's again, could be a separate podcast on that alone. We forget what our baseline is and that activated state that becomes normal to us, but it's not normal to the nervous system, stays with us. So, you know, in the case of Russell Crowe, he probably lived in that state for a long time. Maybe, you know, the character, obviously, he could have grown up with somebody who was constantly uh, breaking or not respecting his boundaries, and he became a people pleaser. So he has been constantly living in a state of dysregulation and he has lack of capacity to even understand that, you know, there is something obviously very toxic going on. The second part, I mean, we could easily go into the direction of relationship dynamics. I mean, this is as unhealthy of a relationship dynamic as we can possibly. (laughs) And um, the third one is that he completely lacked um, the ability to process his emotions to communicate his emotions, to create healthy boundaries. And not to mention then Ryan Gosling in this case, or the character obviously plays a really funny, annoying guy. But I mean, he has zero empathy and, you know, who knows where his nervous system regulation is. So there are many different ways, but obviously the, you know, the main character who was in the treatment, as opposed to the couple therapy, that, that actually makes me really laugh. He came to a place where he you know, even in the real world, these people may actually need truly hospitalized, um, you know, treatment because their level of anxiety goes so up, their blood pressure goes up, their heart rate goes up, the muscles tense up. There's almost nothing left inside the digestive system because our digestive system cannot function in that place. Because by design, we were supposed to not have our digestive function so we can survive in those moments. And basically, he's not getting enough oxygen inside his system so he cannot even heal and when people stay in that kind of a let's say it's a you know marriage or you know family kind of a dynamic it can actually create severe severe health challenges not to mention impacting everybody else in in the household so uh i mean in real life this would be extremely dangerous (laughs) (laughs) so uh one thing i really like about what you're saying here is uh in terms of the healthy processing of stress and what that looks like. So the way I think about it, you know, obviously there's some stressors that that are too much and, you know, you may need to change your life and, and get away from them, right? But there's other stressors that are going to be there, but they can still be problematic because we don't understand or our bodies have forgotten, as you were saying before, how to process them in a healthy way to let them go through the way they're yeah. supposed to. So talk to us a little bit about what a healthy operating system looks like, how that's handled versus, you know, what typically causes more problems. Yep, absolutely. So number one, with a healthy operating system, I want to also make it very, very clear that we develop the patterns from the earliest moments of our existence. That's what I mentioned in the you know previous comment that there are people in this case, it was Russell Crowe, who may have had this dysregulation happen so early on that it became normal to him. He wouldn't even maybe consider, you know, this guy is pushing his boundaries, he's pushing his limits because it was normal to him. 
But in order for, so we need to have that understanding. This all starts in childhood. And in order for us to really have this healthy oscillating pattern, we need to recognize what happens in our body when we are generating energy. I call it the activation energy inside the body when our fight or flight system is kicking in. And then we need to also almost understand, especially in more extreme situations, it becomes more obvious when we have reached the peak and then how we need to downregulate from that. So we release it. And this is the part where the modern world has forgotten how to do it. We so value this hyperactivity, this exuberance and everything else that we forgot how to release it. And then we have the other part to our nervous system, which allows us to go into a relaxation response. And now here, the evolution has kind of made it a little bit tricky for us because there are two parts to this relaxation response. One, it allows us to sort of settle down, calm down, go to sleep. But if we kick that part into a second gear, it goes into a more primitive response that we have inherited from the time of the reptiles. And that goes, that's, that part is reserved for us when we go into extreme emergency and we need to shut down, we need to tune out, we need to not feel pain or anything like that. Uh, so this is part of the so-called parasympathetic nervous system. And this is the part that we often explore even uh, you know, in meditation practices when we want to improve our digestion. However, we sometimes forget from the meditation practices to understand how the whole uh, oscillating flow is moving. So sometimes people just artificially push themselves into the meditation when they are still in the aroused state. And that, that's why some people will say, it doesn't work with me. I can't get there. My mind is just going crazy. My butt, I just want to feel like I want to run. Because there may be something more to their history that they may need to understand before they start um, applying any kind of a you know, meditation practice. Because what can happen, number one, they will be extremely agitated or they can go too deep down, especially if that's a pattern they have developed from early childhood on when they will start shutting down and may feel like they're in a blissful state, but they're actually checking out. Now, there is another part just to make it even a little bit more complicated to our relaxation response. And this one is purely available to mammals. And that is called this something um, referred to as the social engagement system. And that's the part of the relaxation response when we are not necessarily, um, you know, going into this relaxed, deep state or whatever, but we actually connected. I can see your face. I can, I can sense safety from you. You smile. I can, I can, I can. Through my nervous system, I'm reading yours and I am feeling connected. And, you know, this is something that people have done historically through sharing meals and feeling connected and safe. So this is the social engagement part of our system. And this is what we're losing in our corporate environments. This is what we're losing sometimes even in our homes because the screens have entered. And when I say screens, I'm talking uh, technical devices. And that's why many kids today have, you know, young people, teenagers, because they're introduced to screens a little bit too early. And so they're developing a non-possible, non-existing relationship with a screen that cannot provide for the social engagement part of our nervous system to kick in. But they are addicted to it because this is what they see. This is what they constantly, you know, educate themselves from. Um, so I'm not really sure if I... Um, answer this because it's such a big question and I think I know about it so much that I'm going, going into a lot. But basically what we 
need to really understand is our physiology and get enough education about it so we know what happens in our body when we generate energy, how we can relax in a safe way, when and in what sequence to possibly introduce meditation, and how essential it is for our health and for our survival to maintain as much social engagement part of our nervous system as possible. And that can happen through direct contact, through touch, through smile, through the tone of my voice. If I were to talk like this, you would probably not feel very comfortable after a longer period of time, right? And this is something that we also lose sometimes when um, you know parents come home from work and they are really drained, and you know, yeah. kids kids leave their shoes in their way, and what you know parents do often automatic. Oh my gosh, why did you leave those shoes there? I just how many times did I tell you? And and it's innocent, and it doesn't mean that even in this case, parents do not love their children. It's just we have lost this connection to what's inherently ours biologically. So we kind of try to fit in a lot of you know little things. Okay, so I'm going to go on this vacation. I'm going to go to this meditation class, whatever it may be. And they're all great. I'm not downplaying any of them. But eventually we need to come to a place where we truly understand and appreciate our biology and we teach ourselves, our work environment, our kids, how essential it is for our survival to be in that socially connected place. Because yeah. our nerve cells are constantly scanning for a sense of safety or danger. And this is beyond our cognition. This is not something we think about. This is what we have been equipped with. This is our operating system. What I love about what you're saying here is it's not something that may be readily apparent to everyone how important this concept is of community and connection to people to having a healthy stress response. And if you don't understand that, then things that are supposed to be helpful, like technology, you don't understand the downsides of it, and it can actually do the opposite. You, you think it's connecting you more, but yeah. it can actually be doing the opposite because you don't realize the concept of, of what's important. So I think that's yeah, such it a... It can be a double sword edge. And you know, one of the things that I have noticed lately, and I talk about it to a lot of people, uh, clients or other professionals that I meet, that what happened to our meal ritual? How many times when you go to a restaurant and you watch other families sit there together and they are all on their own devices. Oh yeah. <laughs> not communicating together. It's, yeah. you know, it's actually frightening because our meal is the time when we need our relaxation response to be in place. So our digestive system works and we need that social connection so we can actually process the food in a healthy way. And that's why we see rise of many um, digestive related issues because we have, you know, one of the things that I also want to make it very clear that our operating system, our nervous system, our immune system, our digestive system, our emotional system, and our hormonal system, they're one system. They're not separate. If this one is jammed, guess what's going to happen to all the other ones? And this is the seed of most chronic illness. I mean, there's no doubt there are some small number of genetically derived, but the biggest chunk of the 21st century illness that we have are believed are, are in this stuckage inside our, our system. Okay, well, let's take a look at our last video. The patterns that I noticed that make people ill and often lead to untimely death are easily seen in, in the obituaries of young people. And we talk about the good dying young, and they do. Because the people that we consider good are very often people who suppress themselves. They don't just do it out of compassion, they do. 
but they also do it because they have no choice in the matter because they were programmed that way from early childhood. And it's that self-suppression, uh, the desire to be accepted and loved by others, that makes them so nice. But those same patterns also suppress their immune system and their hormonal apparatus, interfere with their nervous system, and create the basis for disease. So these patterns are the automatic and compulsive concern for the emotional needs of others while ignoring your own. That's a killer. So, Adita, what are your thoughts? Oh, my gosh. I know, first of all, Dr. Gabor Mate that you featured in this video is one of my huge influencers for those of, um, you know, who don't know necessarily his name. He is a Canadian researcher and an addict, an addict, an expert in addiction, (laughs) (laughs) addict himself. Um, And he has spent an enormous amount of time working in this field of um, understanding emotions and nervous system, trauma, big part. And this is something we didn't even get into in our conversation. And he's also um, endorsed my book, Awaken Your Inner Leader, which is based a lot on the, some of the research that he has done. So what he's talking here about is something um, that may, you may call possibly lack of boundaries. And this is, again, a pattern that can easily develop early, early on in life, especially for children who grow up with families where the parents may have experienced or maybe single parent experienced an undue amount of stress and the child became kind of over time almost like a parent. So they took on a lot of that emotional stress of the parent who not, you know, for necessarily reasons they wanted to exploit the child, but they didn't know any better. And then this becomes a a pattern. They cannot say no. And, you know, Dr. Gabor Mate's book is um, one of the titles is When the Body Says No. Because when we cannot say no, when we do not know how to understand and respect our own boundaries, our body will eventually say no. Wow. Through a form of illness or anything else. And, uh, you know, so in this case, that's why he's talking about how eventually this can manifest in significant illness. Like, you know, illnesses like fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, or many of them happen typically to people who have um, some of these patterns, behavioral patterns that are so deeply embedded in their nervous system that it's hard for them to get out of. Well, Adita, it's been a real treat to talk to you and hear about your expertise on stress management. What things are you working on or how can our audience learn more? Oh, sure. So, um, I recently published my book, um, as I mentioned already, Awaken Your Inner Leader, Transform Stress, Develop Emotional Mastery and Thrive. I highly recommend to anyone who is in a high-performing position or who is interested in the, um, you know, to learn, understand themselves a little bit better, to consider uh, purchasing it. It's it's one of the cheapest investments people can make in themselves. And Dr. Gabor Mate, one of my dear influencers, he endorsed the book, as I mentioned. Uh, people can also find me through my website, editaatec.com. Uh, anyone who is interested uh, can download my free ebook, The Ultimate Guide to a Successful Personal Transformation. And this is a really easy read, but it's also inspirational and, and kind of eases people into the subject. I also have some online courses and and as well um, some audio exercises that people can uh, can look into. But primarily, my Three ways that I work right now is one, public speaking, where I do um, my signature seminar, present my signature seminar, Awaken Your Inner Leader, where I also coach privately a small group of uh, high-performing professionals, and I also do local workshops for local professionals as well. So if anyone has questions, I invite them to contact me through my website, editatech.com, and I'll be happy to answer questions. Excellent. 
Thank you, Adita, for Thank sharing you, your insights on why it works. Yeah, I love this podcast. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. If you've been enjoying Why It Works, there are a few ways you can help. Leave a rating and comment on your favorite podcast service like iTunes or Stitcher. Two, tell a friend what you learned. And three, show your support by becoming a sponsor or leaving a tip at www.patreon.com slash why it works. That's www.patreon.com slash why it works. Thanks and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why It Works. For more information about Joquan Joe Coaching, as well as access to my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit joquanjo.com. And stay tuned for our next Why It Works adventure.